Hello and welcome back to Surf Splendor. This is, of course, your host, David Scales. I've got an episode, brand new episode today, of Grit with Chaz Smith. So I'm sure that you figured it out or just by listening to past episodes of this, uh, of this particular show format. But Grit is designed to give you a peek behind the curtain of BeachGrit.com. Obviously, BeachGrit.com is run by Chaz Smith and his partner, Derek Riley. And so our goal here is just to kind of discuss the various articles, the subtext, the conversations that take place after articles get posted, all that sort of stuff. So enjoy this show. I'll be back actually later in this week with an episode of Shaping Surfing with Dane Hance. You might not know Dane's name, but his, um, but his label is Vulcan Surf. So if you're on Instagram or you follow board porn, I'm sure that you've seen Dane's boards. At Vulcan Surf is their actual handle. Definitely check those out before I post that episode so you have kind of a context for what we're talking about. But um, super interesting dude. I didn't really know what to expect. I had never met him before, but I was thrilled by the end of the interview, um, not only to know him, but to be able to share that conversation with you guys. So that'll be out on Thursday. Coming weeks, I have episodes with filmmaker Jack Coleman and surfboard shaper Ryan Lovelace as well. Those conversations are already in the can, so look forward to those on this, the Surf Splendor network of podcasts at this point. So enjoy today's show with Chaz Smith. You can follow, of course, his website, beachgrit.com, and then on Instagram, Chaz is reports from hell. And then, of course, follow at Surf Splendor and then SurfSplendorPodcast.com where I'll post everything that Chaz and I discussed in this episode. Chime in with your comments on Instagram and, of course, on our respective websites. All right. Enjoy the show. I'll be back at the end to sign us off. It's always weird um, setting up the mics and trying not, not to, to talk. talk. No, I know, but it's, <laughs> but it's the right thing to do. You, I mean, I've known precisely. You, you talk about a subject and it's dead. You lose all energy for the subject. And one of the subjects is just, "What's up, dude? Long yeah. time no see." It has been a long time. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Sorry, it took so long to get back together. Oh, I know, but that's okay. I think we needed it. I think we needed we needed all of these things to happen in surfing. I agree. Lots has gone on. Yeah. And so, firstly, is that a computer that you have with you? Did yeah. you actually prep for today's show? No, I didn't prep oh. at all. I'm, I, am, I am late on a Beach Grid story, so I was trying to smash it out real quick. Uh, I, think I've got a, I think I've got a good three in the bag today that I need to get up. So Three stories in one day. Three. Yeah, that's my, I think that's my typical, or that's what I try to do. That's, that's my not pace. It. It's not, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, let's before we get into beach grit stories, and I think we should break that story here first. Okay. But before we do that, let's say thanks to the Surfrider Foundation for hosting us today. This is our now now our home studio. I don't even get looked at when I walked in the door. There's just a nice light glance from the the cute receptionist, and I march straight back to our studio. She knows. She knows who you are. That's nice. Hey, that's Chaz Smith. I heard his show last time. Yeah, it's nice. She's a listener. So, Long-time listener. Surfrider.org is their website. And guess what? You can become a member. It's only 25 bucks a year to save the earth. And you get that sticker on your car. 
And they make board laminates now, too. Really? Yeah. I've so got you, them on my boards. Oh, my goodness. You want to know what else they make, Chaz? T-shirts. Oh. And this is yours. Oh, it is? New Surfrider logo right here. I like it. SF. I like the minimal. Yeah. Nice. Thank you, Surfrider. Yeah. There you go. Chaz Smith going to be rocking the Surfrider T-shirt so down in San, San Diego. I so am. Thank you. You're very Rider. welcome. Um well, what do we have to catch up on? What's new in your life, dude, since I saw you last? Oh, I mean, just so much. I was I was begging for professional surfing. I was so sad at the break between, uh, what even was the last contest? Between nice. Fiji. Between oh, yeah, Fiji yeah. and J-Bay. And I was thinking, this is way too long a break. And then J-Bay hit with such a hammer that I've been begging for professional surfing to stop. So my life has been consumed by professional surfing. Which... I mean, was that the best event ever? I think it, I was going to say, I, I can't imagine another event that, that would hold a candle between the, the Sharks yeah. and the... I don't know how they got so much swell. How in the world did they get like 15 days of perfect swell that culminated in the best final waves, at least I'd ever seen at J-Bay, right? I mean, yeah, it was, it was pretty epic. So gnarly. Yeah. Um, what were the highlights of the event for you? Uh... To me, the highlights were, was the main highlight was long Tom Steve Shears write ups each day for Beach Crit. Uh, we're just now announcing that he is Steve Shearer. Uh, no, we- I think it's, it's been known, I think, okay. I, which I got to ask him specifically. I think he likes, he doesn't hide behind long Tom. I think he likes the nickname long Tom, but oh. I'll, I'll get to the bottom of that. I think it's a, it's not a, this isn't me thing. Okay. It's well known that it's Steve Shearer, I think, or maybe not well known, but it's, now it's it known is. that it's Steve Shearer. Yeah, Steve Shearer. But his write-ups, to me, are... I mean, it makes me... Yeah, I like his write-ups better than watching it, to be honest. I was going to ask you, when you wait for us, J-Bay happens in the middle of the night. So maybe you could stay up late and watch one or two heats and then wake up early and see the last couple heats. When you wake up early, do you actually watch the event first or read his? No, story? no. I. Uh, so he was sending it to me just because the way the time difference was happening with it was easier for me to post them on a couple of them. So I would just go straight to my email like five in the morning or whenever I woke up and it it was absolutely, yeah. I mean, I read each one of his contest wraps, I think a few times just treasuring each word. And I'm not just saying that because it's on beach grit to me. He's really, he's really elevated contest writing to high art. Sweet. Yeah. What's, Give the listeners and myself just like a background on Steve. I have no idea. I, he's Australian. Uh, I have no idea even how old. I think he's maybe a little older, uh, older than older than forty. I think. Um, but otherwise, I, I really have no idea. How does he make a living? Uh, he says he has a job, but I don't know what that job is. <laughs> yeah. What? Uh, how do you get him to write for you guys, Derek? I mean, their buddies. Uh, I don't know that they're buddies. I, th- I think Derek's. It's just one of those. You know, Steve, I think, has been around in surf riding for a, a real long time. And Derek knows everybody from Australia. And yeah. so yeah, I think they just, they know each other somehow. Does he get, do you guys pay for your articles? Yeah, yeah. You Steve Steve gets okay. paid. Yep. Okay. Um, and Mike, Mikey Ciamarella did get paid, but okay. no longer. He got shown the door. Really? Yep. Breaking news, dude. Bra- breaking news. Holy cow. Mikey Ciamarella Fired from Beach Crit. Oh my God. Fired That's for how cause. this episode is going to be titled. Fired for cause. Dude, people come and go. Like you guys just fire people left oh, and yeah. right between yeah. Rory and now Michael. No, it's part of the part of the thing. What did he do? Uh, he went and took a weekly gig at Stab. 
So congratulations. Did he tell you guys about it? He didn't. I mean, he told me about it after he took it. Okay. Uh, he told me about it yesterday. So this is breaking news. Mikey Ciamarella fired for cause. Crazy. Yeah. So he's going to be riding a, I think a piece a week for stab, which is good for him. I hope he can, he, you know, I wish him nothing but the best and yeah, wish him good things, but there's just no way that we can, there's no way that beach grit can support a stab rider. Do you guys view stab as competition? Um, yeah, I think, I think just because, uh, cause you know, Derek of course started stab. And so I think that there's, there's that raw nerve, which I love. I love that there is a raw nerve there that it's not just, you know, we're all bros and having fun and all that. I, I actually crashed the stab booth at agenda, which was pretty fun. What'd you do? Yeah. yeah. I, I gave Morgan Williamson a big hug and then we chatted for a while. And then I forced, I forced Morgan Williamson to come out and have a beer with me. How did so, that go? I went good. Yeah. Mor- Morgan's, yeah, Morgan's, I think just a, he's a guy just trying to get by. He's a, he's a poetry major, which is, which was totally amazing. I don't know why he doesn't make that well known. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he majored in poetry from San Francisco state, I think, um, which explains some of his, his turn of phrase, I suppose. Um, and yeah, I think, I think he was angry inside, but he, at me, but, uh, he sucked it up and, and, yeah, had a beer. Well, it's really funny. You said he's angry inside at you, and I'm thinking, why is he angry? And it's like, oh, yeah, because maybe some of the things that you've written in yeah, the yeah. past. And what I'm saying is funny is I've gotten to know you a little bit, and I feel like your persona as a writer is very different than how I know you just individually. And I guess we don't spend any time together off the mic, really. But you're actually... I think people would like you. I think people read you and the writer persona and don't like you. See that? I mean, maybe. I think I used. I think both of the writer persona and who I am in real life used to be more separate, but I think I've they've merged over time now. Where at the end of the day, I mean, and again, it was the same thing that kind of happened when I ran into the inertia. Right? Is I like for me, it's fun. Conflict is fun, and uh, conflict doesn't have to mean that you know you're like personally angry at someone it just means i don't know it's it's just fun it's especially in surf journalism it's fun it's fun to throw rocks it's fun to you know we've talked about it on this show um and yeah it's enjoyable for me so have you and derek ever butt heads me and derek riley yeah yeah we we do sometimes but but very 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 i can't even remember the last time we did mm. to be honest so maybe <laughs> maybe it's pretty no. impressive yeah i mean i think that we both, I mean, we've both been working together for so long now and just understand each other probably fairly well. And there's nothing, I don't think there's any real decision that, uh, would be worth, you know, kind of sacrificing that relationship. And I, and I would imagine maybe he feels the same way. So it's just, you know, we, we talk stuff out, but then we, we come to a pretty quick, quick decision on what we're going to do going forward. So I record a podcast with Scott Bass, obviously it's called spit. And Scott and I had a moment back in May where we just had a conflict. Like I thought we were doing one thing together. He thought we were doing another thing together and we'd been doing it for four years and it came up and it's like, well, we can't proceed until we get this resolved. Did you resolve it on air? No, we had the fight on air. Okay. And then we resolved it. We took some time off. We had three weeks, four weeks. Like we're not going to chat. And to your point about like lobbing grenades at people, I um, 
I felt a lot of emotion about it. Yeah. And I didn't have any problem saying that on the air and airing it out. Because at the end of the day, it's like, hey, we're not going to throw punches at each other. We're both adults here. And we will resolve this. So until that time, knowing we're not going to fight and knowing it will get resolved until that time, I'm going to wear my heart on my sleeve and I'm going to tell you how I feel about it, knowing that you're an adult and you're going to do that to me. And then we'll resolve it down the road. Well, and to me, you know, in the surf media game too, that's entertaining, right? When the, and when listeners get to listen in on, on these true, genuine interactions that people are having, uh, and genuine fights and all this kind of, I mean, there's something, yeah, there's just something real about it. And that's, that's a lot more enjoyable. I think when that's mixed in to the stew of surf journalism alongside the, the more standard, you know, yeah. contest stuff or the, this board just came out or, you know, Kelly's wave pool or Kelly's foot or whatever. Right. Uh, it just adds another layer that I think is enjoyable. And so that's why I continue to prod. But then when I see Morgan in person, I mean, and part of it is probably, you know, I want to exacerbate it too. I love, I love shit talking and then jumping right into the middle of what I was shit talking, uh, just to see how people react because you know, like the real and Morgan again, handle it like a real champ. I mean, he's, he, he did well, but you know, all the staff guys were there. Right. And so it's just, we had a, you know, a good hour long conversation I did with them all because you know, I, I wasn't stabbed before. Right. And so we had fun conversations, but initially, you know, just the pain smiles. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's just that nobody knows nobody. I've never, you know, been somewhere where people said, you know, fuck you, get out, get out of here right away. People will try to put on a good face, but just the, the pain of that smile is, yeah, maybe I'm, I perversely I, enjoyable. To I me. think you're more comfortable with conflict than they are probably. And so like with Scott, we, in that time we had, he hosts the boardroom show, this surfboard industry trade show. And we connected there for the first time seeing each other in weeks. And he walked up to me and he's like, Hey man, I just want to sh- shake hands and like, say, let's, Forget about our differences through the course of this weekend because we're going to see each other a lot. And I go, you know what, Scott? I will shake your hand, but don't act like we're friends. Yeah. Dig in. He's yeah. like, what do you mean? And I go, we're going to have fans coming up to us all week long asking about the fight. Say your piece, dude. Yeah. Take your side, and I'm going to take my side because I'm still angry at you. Sure. And I completely disagree. And again, we'll figure this out down the road through communication. But right now, don't fake it. And, and especially, I mean... Yeah, for entertainment, it's better. It's, it's and I told more them that. entertaining. Go, Guess what? When we do resolve it and we record another podcast, that's going to get more downloads than any podcast we've sure. ever had before. Look at like Howard Stern having conflicts with co-hosts. Nobody stops listening. No, of course. As not. much as they love Artie Lang, if he goes away, they still listen to Howard. Totally. You know? So totally. who cares, dude? No, totally. Well, it's, and and again, the having differences of opinion, like everybody papers over stuff and, and I, you know, back to kind of stab or whatever. I do have genuine differences of opinion with how they kind of report surfing uh, and what the inertia and all of them. Right. And so that's, but that's what makes it fun. I mean, you can yeah. get, it's not just all milk toast, same color, same, you know, flavor. It's there's differences and you can find what you like in, in the mix. It is. And I understand why you would not be able to work with Michael now moving forward because they are a competitor in some way. But I would argue they're actually not really a competitor. They're doing something very, very different. And I actually thought about this prior to knowing this Michael story. But I wanted to ask your opinion. Like, Stab has done a great job of creating these um, proprietary events with the doc recently. Sure, totally. Jay Davies 
native edit that he posted a few weeks ago where they own it for whatever 24 hours or whatever it is and all of us go watch it the entire surf world from kelly slater to joe schmo watch this thing and then discuss it collectively on all the social platforms so you guys aren't doing stuff like that you're not even attempting to do stuff like that see that's the i mean and and i guess now that you talk about me and derek butting heads this is where derek derek really wants to do i mean those kinds of things those stab properties derek loves that stuff right that's what he did at stab too you know they did i mean i think the idea of that idea i think is the brainchild of derek uh probably even more than it is of sam the the owner of stab or the the now owner of stab um uh, yeah, Derek wants to do that. And we have one, you know, we have one in the can right now mm. that, that, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't talk about it, but or it's not in the can, but trying to get in the can. Derek loves this idea. And to me, these things are gimmicks. Um, and so it's not where I'm pulled. I like when I see the doc, uh, I legitimately don't care about it. Uh, you know, I don't really watch it. I, I get that it's the flavor of the day. And I, I guess at a, cognitive level i understand that people like these gimmicky kind of things but to me i don't know it's i'm not i'm not the market for it but derek loves loves those kinds of things and it irks him to no end that stab has the corner of of this market so the doc it's just fun to watch i watched five minutes of it and it was just the most fun surfing related thing i've watched in a long yeah. time see yeah. and, and i guess i watched and thought okay that's fine uh funny i talked to sam about it at agenda and he seemed pretty disappointed with how it came off i think he they were expecting uh these surfers to uh do like board flips and stuff into the wave right so you run down the stock and you do something awesome into the wave um but you know all they all they could do is is jump off their boards and get in the wave so i think he in his mind it was going to be this bigger it was going to be a yeah it was going to look better than it did you know i thought it looked great i just yeah, it did. It's just, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't interesting to me. But I totally see how it, that stuff is interesting to people. So I don't think that was as much of a cultural movement as Jay Davies at it Native was, actually. Yeah. Even though that had so much planning and it was like their own property. Whereas the Jay Davies thing, he just produced with his sponsor sure. on his own and then sold it to them. Did you watch the Jay Davies thing? I didn't. You didn't? No. Because okay. you don't care about Jay Davies or because of Stab? Uh, but probably a little bit of both. Okay. I mean... Uh, Jay Dav- yeah, Jay Davies is not the most interesting surfer to me. And when Stab does stuff, when Stab, did they wrap the site with it? I mean, was it one yeah. of those? That always annoys me, right? No, like, me too. And so I just, if I see that, I'll generally, I'll click off pretty quick. It makes me actually want to avoid it. Even yeah. if I wanted to watch it, now I'm going to do it out of spite. Sure. I'm going to go around. No, I like when I, when I see the site wrapped, and I know there's value there, and Beach Girl will probably end up doing that at some point too. But uh, yeah, when I, it's still, it's, it's an annoying why are you making a barrier for me? If I want to see it, I'll see it. Right. Don't, don't throw it up like that, but I, I totally understand the economics of it. And again, coming soon to beach grit, a beach grit near you, but probably, <laughs> probably. but, uh, yeah, it's, it, so that's wonder, why I didn't watch it. It's you. I don't know if I understand the economics to it because I'm already going to your site to look at something. So I think it's, I think it's, you can just, you can sell that whole landing page so somebody pays to own that space right so it's not just you want people to watch the video whoever paid for the video gets this as this added bonus right of it's gonna it's gonna pop up and your logo is gonna be there and it's not gonna be our regular content it's gonna be this special kind of thing which you know so it's just it's value added i think and uh i would like to do a maybe we'll do a poll on it on beach grit as uh if you know do you like as a as a reader 
does it annoy you when you show up and there's a landing page or are you like, oh, this is awesome. It looks different today and there's clearly something fun happening here. The real poll should be, we know it annoys you, but does that mean you never go back to the site again? But, you, but maybe, maybe people, some people do like it. Maybe people click on and say, oh, it's something new today. This is, this is sexy. But my point is nobody ever closes the site because the landing page is there. I think everybody still watches it or clicks through to the next page. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think there's any attrition. I mean, I, I close it. If I see a landing page, I'll I'm like, spiteful. hey, enough. Yeah. yeah you're very spiteful. I'm, I'm, a spite, I'm a spiteful man. <laughs> Mike, you see, but that's, and that's the other thing. Like, Stab is, Stab does a great job of poaching Beach Grit talent. So, that, I, I think know. that's a, yeah, they, I don't think, which is totally fine, uh, but I think Stab... I think a problem with Stab is they don't really have their own voice. I think they're still drafting off what Derek created, you know, five or six years ago before he left. Like their tone is Derek Light. I agree. Um, and you know, so they keep trying to find a voice. And again, Mikey uh, is a is a good writer, and I and I wish him all the best. But I don't think they're finding a, they're not finding a fully developed voice, and right. definitely not a voice that's that's unique yet. Mikey might become unique. But so did Mikey have a, what's his background prior to you guys connecting with him? He was surfing. He was at surfing magazine for, I think briefly at surfing. Okay. Uh, uh, and they, but like kind of right at the demise of surfing. And so then he came on and I liked his stuff at surfing. And, and again, I, I loved some of his stuff for beach Grit. to me. His, his high watermark was the Christian Fletcher thing, mm. which was absolutely epic where he called Christian, Christian Fletcher out uh, and then went down to interview Christian or went up to interview Christian in San Clemente and Christian had basically staged, did you read this? No. Oh, Christian had basically staged, uh, this like thing where he was going, like he, they put Michael on stage, uh, with Christian and they recorded it and they had a crowd and Christian basically, you know, they went over the, I think it was about uh, heckling Groms or something was the topic. And if I remember, Michael was like, uh, his position was that Christian was too old to be heckling Groms. And Christian, I believe, was like, these Groms need to learn respect or something. And so, yeah, so Michael went up to San Clemente. Christian had it staged. It was like before the screening of a, uh, of a movie or something. Had the audience, you know, booing Michael and stuff like that. And Michael took it like a champ and wrote, they're, they're really funny. I'll, we'll, I'll, send, I'll find them. Oh, yeah. But really well done. Really amazing. Uh, so yeah, my, I mean, Michael's totally got it in him to become something, uh, and you know, would have been great if he would have become that at beach grit, but I think stab is getting another bit of Derek light. Yeah. I mean, you guys are teeing them up though for stab. You're sure. just like developing these writers because the it's prolific. The amount of output is prolific that you, you're pumping out pieces all day, every day. So it allows him to just figure out his foot sure. really quickly. Totally. And it's, and it's, you know, and it's great. Yeah. Good so, for Stab. Wish so, him all the best. So, dude, um, did you ever talk to Albie Layer after our last I did. show? You I did. I totally okay. did. Yeah. What happened? So, Albie Layer first wants to come on. Uh, can Albie Layer come on of the course, show? Okay, dude, so we'll have course. Albie on. Um, but, yeah. So, Albie, uh, it was all he says, and I believe him. It was a big joke directed at you that Albie is a literate young man. Oh, he is? Uh, yeah. And he, he had you. He had you over the barrel. Did he ever say... Uh, I couldn't care less or nope. I could care less. He, he could care less. I mean, I'm sorry. He couldn't care less. Okay. And he, what was the, what was the prank second one? call versus crank? Yeah. Call he's, he's, a, he's a prank caller. Okay. He couldn't care less. And he prank calls. I Albie apologize. Albie. Albie Lair, a smart young man, but yeah, we should bring him on. He's, right. he's great. And 
Yeah. Next time he's in town. Yeah, I think he's, he's on, I think he's sure. here all the time. Okay. Is he really? He lives. I think he splits time between Maui and San Diego. I think. Oh. Yeah. Right. So cool. yeah. All right, he's on, dude. I'll be later, dude. Um, dude, follow up question as well. I'm going to call this segment the Blonde Ambition Tour. I was telling you, blonde-haired people are ripping nowadays, and sure enough, Felipe dyes his hair blonde and bang, dominates the J-Bay Open. I mean, dominated at wire to wire, too. Nobody, nobody, I mean, could it be argued that Felipe Toledo had the greatest uh, single event of any surfer? I mean, how many tens did he he bag? It's a good question. Uh, it was perfect waves the whole time. The the variety of the you know the, he surfed from you know huge alley oops to slashing carves to yeah. I mean I don't even have the Joe Turpel language to to describe. Well, I would argue he did that in 2015 at Snapper. Mm-hmm. If you remember, I remember that, that. Event, I, told, I do it, remember that. It was like nobody Kelly can't do this. John John can't do this. Nobody can do what he was doing there. I just never would have expected to see him do it on waves that were well overhead. Well, seeing, I mean those, both the, the two oops he did on that one wave, yeah. like thinking about his, pers- I was thinking about his perspective, looking down. He, I mean, how, how much above the, like, you know, the ocean was he there? I mean, from the, the trough Eight or whatever. Feet? At least eight. Well, feet. no, the wave itself was six to eight. Precisely, feet, and then so, he was six feet above. So he was a good, possibly fifteen feet. Yeah, you know, up in the air. Which I don't know how you do that, and and then do it twice. I don't know how you get your feet set again. I mean, that that wave, you know, was obviously incredible. But the way he surfed the entire event, yeah. and it was to me, it was great that he won because rarely does the guy who is on fire, or I think it's. Yeah, rarely I think do I see it happen where the guy's on who's you know the most on fire through the event really pulls through all the way. Usually, right. it seems like he gets tired by the end and and you or, know. Or Kelly talks about peaking too early. Yeah, so it's like he'll have an amazing quarterfinal heat and then falter. And John yeah. John does that all the time. Completely, completely. Semis, yeah. And I, and I feel in uh, who was really ripping through Fiji. Somebody was just was just blowing. <sighs> Excuse me, blowing up, but then you could tell he's he doesn't have any gas in the tank. Yeah, and and whoever it was the whoever lost in the final there. Yeah, Felipe is so young and spry; he's just got endless energy. You know, it was so good. It was yeah. so incredible. It's a real bummer that uh, looking back that Felipe wasn't at, at Fiji. Remember? Yeah, he was banned. Agreed. Banned from Fiji. Agreed. I I never got around to asking you, but I was going to ask you on the first time we recorded together. What was he banned for? Like everybody says, he got that call against. Uh, the interference call against Kanoa, and then he stormed the judge's tower. Yep. What does that even mean? I have no Did idea. Did he punch somebody in the face? No. Did he curse at somebody? No. Like, I don't know what it means. I think at the time, I, I remember thinking, too, okay, it's, yeah, it's when Zeke Lau storms the tower, then it's, you know, oh, we're, you know, we're sorry, or, but when the, the little Brazilian does, then it's banned. Right. Yeah, it seems pretty, it seemed pretty rude. And I, it's funny what you're saying. Like, they give the Hawaiian respect, but they don't give this guy respect. But I think that there's got to be an actual defining line of, like, you're allowed to come up there and be angry. But if you cuss, maybe that's the defining – or if you pound on the door. I don't know. I just want to know what yeah. it was that he did. I don't, I don't exactly know yeah. what – like because I know Zeke Lau was up the steps uh, of the judging tower. And, may, and they were wrong on Zeke Lau. Yeah. So maybe Zeke got the – benefit because they said he, he got was, up after the buzzer but he didn't yeah and and so they were wrong and so maybe that was part of their thing and yeah. Philippe, you know i can't even remember what his beef was but yeah i don't know i don't know what the line is but come on they should let those guys 
hack on the judges all day long. Yeah. Well, to your point, it's just a shame that we didn't get to see him in Fiji. Yeah. Because that's a huge question mark for all of us. Totally. And he could, and where would he be right now, right? If he would have performed well in Fiji, then, you know, I think he's seventh in the world now, which, you know, could he be up in the top three? Could be. Um, You did a power rankings on WCT. This is back to the blonde hair, the blonde ambition tour. You did a power ranking on the CT's surfers' haircuts. Discuss it. Break it down. Who's got what? See, the the first one was Negatron, uh, one of our our commenter moderators. Um, his was so amazing. I think his was three years ago, back when nobody really went to Beach Crit. And he honestly ranked, I think, the top 15 by haircut, which was brilliant. So I went in. Uh, somebody had commented about it on Beach Crit, and I thought... Okay, I'm going to go in here and do it again because it's such a funny idea. I totally forgot about it. Uh, but I went in, and the first two were Wilco and Jordy, or the two of the first three. Uh, and their hair in their CT picture is has so much body and so much shine. It's, they're honestly like shampoo commercials. And so I couldn't get beyond them. Like so It was good. Wilco versus Jordy for who is the Pert Plus Man of the Year. And who won? Uh, Wilco by far. Wilco honestly has like 43 year old mother hair. It's uh, so true. It is. I have no idea what he was thinking for sure when he got the haircut, but I have no idea what he was thinking when he washed it that morning and then condition it and then wash it again and then blue dry it. And then went in to take his picture for the WSL for the entire year that comes up every single time he serves. Yeah. It's, it's a miraculous mistake. It doesn't look that bad in on video. No. When he's just wearing it around, it doesn't look bad, but he got the worst possible photo of it. He honestly, which should be a, it's a good lesson to all the listeners out there. I think never, ever, ever shampoo condition and blow dry your hair before going to get a picture taken. Good point. What's your hair care regimen? Surf and never wash it. When you say never, what do you mean by never? Uh, I'll go a good, um, I mean in the summer when I'm, you know, yeah, I, I probably, I'll go a good two months, three months between washes. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I've got you beat. How long? I'm a huge fan. Of never washing. Of never washing. Yeah, yeah. You don't need to wash. You really don't? No. Yeah. And you're not saying you, David Scales, don't need to wash. It's just you as a human don't need to wash. I don't think hair needs washing. You know, you can get get it wet. People are so mistaken. Yeah. I think Johnson & Johnson has mind effed everybody into thinking that they need their products. Well, I think that Matt Wilkinson hopefully is the anecdote to that when you could see That is a good point. When you see Matt Wilkinson and mom hair. It is so mom hair. That's such a good call. It's dude. shocking. It's, it's shockingly hilarious. mommy. Okay, so last time I washed my hair, I've never, never, ever discussed this publicly because I carried a lot of shame about it for a period. Oh yeah. Not shame, but just like it requires a lot of explanation and people sure. don't get it. And then, like, I'd be dating somebody, and, like, I'd wait until, like, month two to even mention it, because yeah. I knew that they'd be disgusted. Hey, I don't wash my hair. Right. So, no. February 15th, 2014, was the last time I washed my hair. Oh, that's... You have me crushed. Years. Crushed. I'm going on four years? Like that's three amazing. And a half years? That yeah. is amazing. It's insane. So, because... And I never planned on doing it for years. I was just, like... What I... I had heard somebody talking about it on the radio, and they're, like... Shampoo's only been around since whatever the date was, like in the 30s or 40s or something. Prior to that, nobody ever washed their hair, and your hair creates natural oils to keep it healthy and in balance, but what shampoo does is strip all those oils out, and then conditioner is meant to replace it. So 
I was always very oily. And if I didn't wash my hair for one day, it would go into hyperdrive and produce tons of oil. And so I thought, oh, I need to wash my hair every single day because I'll get well, what the person on the radio was saying is like by day five, you're balanced, you, you balance, you find that balance. And that's exactly what happened. I hit day six and I looked in the mirror and I go, that's a this good is the here. look I've been trying to achieve with shampoo, conditioner, and then product. Yep. And I don't always get there. And now it just lives there. And yep. It's zero maintenance. Yep. It's easy. So, it's an yeah. easy life. It's an easy life, dude. So we're on the same page. I'm, I'm glad about that. I think we need to rank surf podcasters haircuts. See, oh. Be the power ranking. I think Jed, I think Jed Smith would be number one, oh, right? Okay. Fair enough. I mean, yeah, the, the Bogan mullet. I know that it's, <laughs> I know that it's like, you know, a, a wink, wink, ironic thing. Yeah. But I think he's worn it. Derek and I were just talking about when you wear something or do something long enough, ironically, and then it becomes totally real. Like, you know, I think we all throw shakas ironically from time to time. And then for a lot of people, for me, a little shaka is totally now a real genuine greeting or a wave goodbye. Yep. Uh, and also, um, I ran out of beach grip board shorts and a few months ago, I'd order from eBay. I just, I saw them and thought they were so hilarious that I had to get them. Uh, a pair of the Metallica Billabong board short. Remember those? I do. Well below the knee. Uh, big, giant, sewn-on patch of Metallica on the yeah. butt. Uh, I literally ran out of board shorts. And so I had to wear them uh, to the beach. And then I kept wearing them. And I'm wearing them today as... They're, I mean, I bought some better ones now, but yeah, That's I don't feel is. ironically bad. I feel like I'm ahead of the trend somehow by wearing my Metallica boardies. They're that, white. I don't think they were ever on trend, even when they came out. So you might be a, yeah, you are ahead of the trend. I feel, the I, trend is coming. I feel the trend is coming. Totally. I feel the at the knee with a giant Metallica patch on the butt. And I, yeah, I, I put them on with shame the first couple of times. And then after that. I was like, oh, these these don't look so bad. I'm I'm wearing a Metallica dress, but well, it's okay. <laughs> a Metallica dress. So, dude, I always want to support Beach Grit. And so when you guys offered your board shorts, I was like, dude, I'm going to be first in line. So I bought a pair, and Derek's like, you're going to have the first pair in Huntington Beach. This is the first time I've shipped a package there. And I'm like, perfect. Or wear them with pride, being ahead of the trend. They showed up. Dude, the inseam is so short. I... Don't even feel comfortable wearing them around the house by myself. Oh, really? Oh, my God. Oh, see, you got to give them a try. Like me and the Metallicas, just put them on and go to the beach, wear the shame, wait till your thigh tans up there, and you're going to start feeling like the Beach Grip board short is, to me, it's a real work of of art. Derek really, I think they're Derek Design and they're Rama McCabe, who he works at uh, Banks now. Oh, okay. Um, But... Or he might have designed them, but anyway, he did. Yeah, his name's on them. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a it's a brilliant trunk. You have to be brave, but but take it, dude. Go home today and put them on and, and go to the beach. Which color did you get? Black. Yeah, the Which blacks are faded. Good. By the way, yeah, that's good. The yeah. fade is good. Yeah, the black so fade. It. I honestly like. I put them on and I looked in the mirror and I'm like, I again don't even feel comfortable in my own house wearing yeah. these things. The and the. In the beach definitely won't fly. The only places this might fly is like a pool party in Palm Springs or maybe Miami. Or no, because be, I'll get a lot of attention there. You'll, but you'll still feel shame. See, I'm telling you, like me and the Metallicas, it's too, or like you and your wa- washed hair, you get through the initial kind of shame phase, yeah. and then you look down and you think these don't. I mean, I think the human mind has a magnificent ability to think, oh, this doesn't look bad. As long as you're going to insist, if you 
force your body to do it. Good point. Then your mind adjusts. Says, yeah, that's pretty good. The confidence is sexy. The confidence is sexy, if and you own it. And you need the you need the uh, the, tan. Thigh, the tan because okay. if you're if you're with you know white thighs and then shorts, then people know that you're oh this guy's taking this out for a spin. You got to get beyond the this guy's taking it for a spin. You have to get to the this is this guy's life. Just rock it. Yeah, just with zero zero nothing. Does I, it matter that my legs are like extra skinny? Does that uh, help or hinder? Look at look at my legs, and I, I feel I feel no. it helps. Don't ask me. To I do mean, that again. I'm gonna I'm gonna wear my. Oh, if I had a pair, I see. I left mine in Palm Springs. Speaking of, so I don't even have a pair anymore. Are they available on your website for sale? Can we direct listeners to go buy some beach grade shrinks? Right yeah, hopefully they they might all be sold out. But that's a thing. They're yeah. so amazing. They're yeah, sold out I mean, totally. Everybody who who didn't want a pair of tiny beach grade boardies. Um, that segues perfectly into another discussion topic from Beach Grit, which is you wrote a story about Connor Coffin being the ideal surfing shape. I think so. Maybe I, I really thought about it. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to say that a tall, thin man is, but of course the tall, thin man isn't. The tall, thin man is a, a little willow who gets blown over by the, the slightest breeze. When You and I. T- completely. Yeah. When you see Connor mowing down the line, like round or fluffy and close to the board, uh, you know, throwing throwing spray, fitting into little tubes. It just, it dawned on me that the short round man is surfing's ideal shape. Not too round, but round yeah. enough. Like Short is key. Short is I'm key, not sure of course. roundness but plays it, as much. But why? You you displace more. You, you throw more, right? I mean, everybody's, everybody loves Connor's turns. And if Connor was short and thin, do you think Connor would throw as much water on his turns? Well, I ran the numbers, actually. I don't well, know if you saw this or not. What do they say? I took the height and weight for every world champ that's ever existed from John, John Florence, who's six foot one, 168 pounds down to Peter Townend, which is five foot six, but I couldn't find his weight exactly. So the average height of all world champs across the board, five foot, eight inches and a quarter, which is a short man. It's a short man. That is a short by any stretch. That's a short man. Yeah, of course. I mean, I mean, I think it goes without saying, right? That shortness, low center of gravity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That John John is the outlier in in that. And yeah. you know, I think personally, tall surfing looks better, right? You I think mean, so? I think there's I think there's grace when it's done right, like a long, drawn out turn from a tall man. I mean, if a tall man's getting hitchy, I think it's really, really hard, right? Like mm-hmm. a hitchy bottom turn with a tall guy is just want want. But when when you know John John or let's go back to one of my old favorites, Luke Stedman. Would draw, oh, yeah. would draw out those turns. Uh, there's something nice about the uh, the live men, but in terms of what's being scored today and appreciated today, and again, I think that you know the, the Connors of the world totally fit the bill. You yeah. throw a lot of spray and you don't fall off, and you can fit into little nuggety tubes because it seems to me that the judges are scoring crappy tubes these days above airs. Right? I mean, of course, when Philippe throws giant rotors, there's no question, but. It seems like the judges now have fatigued on the the sort of standard, you know, whatever. It's the standard air reverse. Yeah. And it seems like it doesn't even knock your score up at all. Right. Where it seems like if you fold into a pretty crappy tube, you hmm. definitely get a couple points out of it. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, you and I are cursed then. because How tall are you? Cursed. I'm, I think I'm 6'3", 6'4". 6'1". But you got blonde hair, so that balances you out. Kind of, except I just was at the hairdresser, speaking of hair, and she said, wow, I've never seen your hair so brown. So maybe I'm coming back down. Maybe I'm, my balance is... Lost a few points. I've, I'm losing. Did she try to wash your hair? Uh, she does. That's that's the time that it gets washed. Just tell her now. Uh, can they cut your hair without washing it? 
Mine do. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm going to tell her no. Yeah. I have to fight for it sometimes because yeah. they want to, but yeah, I don't let them do it. Um, you're a brave man. <laughs> I'm a rebel, dude. Fighting with a hairdresser. <laughs> um, so when you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Let's do a topic. Kelly Slater. Actually, before we get into Kelly Slater, more on fashion. Yes. I went to Instagram and I asked listeners to um, send us their thoughts on things that they want us to discuss. Okay. This one was directed strictly for you. And I think that this can be an ongoing segment. Somebody wanted to know why you were wearing pink vans in our last recording they weren't they weren't vans they were nikes they were pink pink nike skate shoes yeah i love i love the color pink do you yeah i do i've always loved it my first skateboard was a pink lance mountain uh all the way back i think my first like good bmx bike was a pink taro or something like that like yeah i've i have a long i'm not on the pink because of the trend well, when I saw the when I saw the comment, I wasn't even going to bring it up. But then I came in and I saw the shoes you're wearing today, and I just thought, well, this is a recurring Instagram. Mm, yeah, we should have photographed the pink shoes, oh. and now we can photograph these shoes and show people what you got. Can you explain them? They, I mean, they're good. They're just a classic Givenchy with the with the Rottweiler face. That's is it a classic? I was unaware. I mean, the Givenchy has used this print now way too long. They should have retired it. When I got these shoes, I think I got them five years ago, and I thought, oh, this is an amazing one off. But then they've they've reissued this print so now I'm, I'm annoyed by it but they're good shoes all right can we yeah. instagram them out yeah totally Perfect. all right cool people want to know what shoe is Chaz wearing okay it's a Givenchy today important um so kelly slater versus old age you wrote a soliloquy to kelly and why you need him in your life i'm going to take the counterpoint because i sincerely believe it but i'm going to allow you to take the floor and lead us off I just think Kelly Slater is the only thing between humanity and a mass extinction event. I don't know how the the you know the fibers holding the universe together what they even know what to do without a professional surfing Kelly. And quite frankly, if he was going to retire at the height, he should have retired after eleven. Uh, he's already decided to fade away instead of burn out. 
um, as the saying goes. And so I'm excited to to just see what happens to this 50-year-old man and 60-year-old man and 70-year-old man as he's continuing to surf professionally. I think at this point, Kelly's way past the point of no return. Yeah. Uh, he's pushed it so far beyond when he should have retired, right? That the only thing to do now is stick with it and not to see if you can ever win again, but just what is the, how long could, can a man stay on the professional surfing tour? Aren't well, you curious? So long as bones are breaking. Sure. I mean, yeah. You know, I mean, the guy's falling apart. Like it could happen to anybody, of course, but I feel like your argument is just based in your own comfort zone. You love Kelly. You grew up loving Kelly and you just don't want to say goodbye to your own youth and it your own could be, could be, but it's, but it's too late, right? It's too late for Kelly to have exited gracefully. Kelly now is limping out on a broken foot. And so you might as well limp right back in and get, and get on the horse. I mean, he's getting boxed out by every competitor, like at every venue places that we thought Kelly dominated before guys are smoking him now. Sure. But part of it though, I think is Kelly's Kelly's got to ditch the boards. I mean, I, oh my gosh, I love, yeah, the people who work for Slater Designs are fantastic, but the boards are, are just very clearly not working. And when, pe- when people call him out on it, did you read the Instagram battle? Which one? Colonel whatever his name was. The, some some Florida guy yes, who, who yeah, called yeah. him out, and Kelly lit him up, right? So you know that the that the the nerve is raw for Kelly. But I don't know how Kelly looks at videos of himself and thinks, yeah, I'm surfing as good then as you know, I was a couple years ago, but, but maybe again, it's the same issue with the haircut and the Metallica shorts and the beach grit trunks of your mind just accepts what it's seeing and then thinks, Oh, this looks good. And so Kelly looks at those videos and thinks, yeah, I'm, I'm ripping. So the boards that they really advertise and I think have been selling the most of are the firewire construction boards, of course. But I think the ones that he has actually surfed best on are the traditional poly with a stringer boards those are what he ends up winning heats on and they're still they have the Slater design logos but there's those aren't the ones that they're selling on their website and really actively promoting yep you know i mean i don't know how somebody watches that i i see them way more often than i would have ever thought you know at the beach and and cardiff and stuff like people will rock up with kelly boards uh and i have no idea beyond liking kelly and you know but anybody who's seen him surf on those boards does, does it seem like a good advertisement to you? No, Stu Kennedy is the great advertisement sure. for Stu, the boards. And Stu Kennedy, to me, is is ripping far beyond, you know, I mean, you could you could almost argue, or it could be argued, that Stu is ripping good because of his boards, right? Yes. Because I mean, he was kind of a nobody before, totally. and all of a sudden, he's like a genuine, you know, not a not a title threat, but he's, he's a threat to win heats. At a right-hand point break, he sure. is, yeah. And so, yeah, so you, it could be argued that the boards make... I mean, that should be their tagline. Board's so good that even even Stu Kennedy can surf. But they make Kelly look like... Awful. Awful. So, okay, a couple questions about Kelly in retirement then. He's arguing with some rando on Instagram. Sure. Random to you and I, but I guess those guys grew up together in Florida, and that guy is a burnout, you know? And um, didn't... I think Derek might have done a little interview with him on Beach Grit. I think Derek actually just had dug up... or He either interviewed him or dug up his old lost video clip where he, like, describes himself in the the clip. Which is, I'm a mediocre surfer and an excellent beer drinker. Yep. You know, that was his clip. So the fact that Kelly's fighting with randos on Instagram... I feel like is an indicator that he's already acquiesced his title contention and like he's going into retirement because 
you should just be focused on surfing J-Bay, dude. What are you doing arguing with some random dude on Instagram? You know, like that indicates his headspace to me in a way that doesn't bode well for a world title threat. I totally agree with you there. I don't think Kelly will ever win a world title. And I think Kelly doesn't think Kelly is going to win a world title. I wonder if Kelly likes to surf these waves. Uh, and how else is he going to surf these waves with one other guy in the water, right? Yeah. And why not? I mean, I think Kelly okay. Kel- Kelly has the wanderlust disease where I think even after, you know, he just bought a, a nice house in Hawaii and theoretically maybe we'll spend time there. But I think Kelly is the kind of guy, like he, he Instagrammed how long it took him to get to J-Bay, right? It was something like, you know, after 36 hours in transit, I'm, I'm here kind of thing where I think that's just Kelly's life yeah. and Kelly doesn't know how to live other than that. And so if you're going to c- continue to travel around the world uh, to these places that you already love, right? I'm sure he loves almost all of these places besides maybe Brazil. Uh, and you have a chance to surf with one guy out. Why wouldn't you just keep the train rolling, right? Which at that point then, if Kelly's only doing it so he can surf with one guy out for a couple heats, uh, should the WSL fire Kelly Slater? Mm. Should, should they say, that, hey, this tour is not here for you to surf alone. Uh, thank you for all you've done. But Kelly, you're fired. Yeah. Which might be a bad business decision because he draws more eyeballs probably than most guys. 100% still. Yeah. I mean, that's. I think it's, I think it's this... If it continues, and I hope it does continue, because again, I, I don't think Kelly can do anything else. And he's still, when he's not on his boards, he's still fun to watch surf. I think the, even the day he gets unfun to watch, then it'll be real fun for us to continue to, okay, what is it? What is the best surfer in the world to have ever lived look like when he's, you know, 63? Yeah. Like how can you, you know, where does it go? Look at Tom Carroll as an example. Like Tom Carroll's a guy who I feel like is more fit now than he was 20 years ago. And obviously he's kicked a drug habit and stuff, but, um, he surfs unbelievably well. I saw him surf lowers a year or two ago and I was like tripping how hard the guy was ripping. So, um, what's your thought though on Kelly? Like you said, his feelings get hurt. Somebody criticizes his board and his feelings get hurt. What are your thoughts on that aspect of Kelly? I mean, I think it's absolutely brilliant. I think who who in sport uh, cares enough to even look at their own Instagram, right? Everybody yeah. has managers and companies doing their accounts. And, you know, I think that the cool thing to do for athletes or pro- probably the healthy thing or for personalities is to distance yourself from the conversation. Right. Uh, Kelly, the fact that he doesn't, the fact that you can, if you're persistent enough, you can get the greatest surfer to ever live and the biggest star in surfing still to tweet you back or, you know, Instagram message you or something like that. Uh, and that's, that's unbelievable. Yeah. And I, I, yeah. Good. So I love it. I love the, I too. love the fact that Kelly engages like that. It's to me, it's the same or similar to Donald Trump and his Twitter, right? Where people claim, uh, we want Don, Donald Trump to stop using Twitter, but nobody really does. It's you're either, you know, incensed by it or entertained by it yeah. or, or you enjoy it or you think it's good. You know, you're getting something, everybody's getting something out of it, whether it's rage or, you know, their truth. And to me, Kelly on social media is the same. It's something that it's weird that he does it. It's weird that Donald Trump tweets too. Uh, he should have better things to do with his time, but I'm so glad that neither of them do. Yeah. So it endears me to Kelly. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he's human Yeah. and that that's an element that I think is so charming just because I just don't think that Arnold Schwarzenegger cares. No. I don't think that Tiger Woods cares. Whereas Kelly, it's like, Oh my gosh, he totally cares because 
I don't know how you feel. Like we posted, uh, I'm going to get personal for a second, but like with this podcast that I've been doing for four years, I never really have promoted it. I've never really branded it because I felt like I'm just learning on the fly and I want to kind of figure it all out before I start, before I get too big of an audience and people really critic are critical of what I'm doing. I need to figure it out on my own. Well, then we're doing this beach grid thing. And so you guys posted on beach grid and now it has a brand new audience where maybe it's being forced in front of them. They didn't find it on their own. The mm-hmm. people who found it on their own three years ago, they're, they they want me to succeed because they found it on their own. Sure. Now these new people, they're getting it crammed down their throat and they're going to be hypercritical. Yep. So in the comments section, a bunch of people who have never listened before, they're talking shit. Yep. And it's like they're making fun of me and I'm my feelings get hurt a little bit. You know what I mean? So how do you feel? Do your feelings get hurt? Do you have a thick skin? Like where? what's your thoughts on getting internet feedback? Uh, yeah, I mean, oddly, I think, and, and this is probably just because I'm stupid. It's probably not a credit. I, it's always funny, almost always funny to me. If it's, especially if it's well put, uh, the only ones that annoy me are ones that are like when somebody says something stupid that doesn't hit the mark, then it doesn't annoy. It's just like, well, you, you wasted everybody's time by posting something stupid. Yeah. But the ones that are critical and funny, I truly, truly love. And I think, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I have no, I, I don't know if it's a thicker skin or what. It just, I enjoy it. I enjoy that part of the conversation, the yeah. people, the people hating. I'm, I'm of two minds about it. I've tried to actually think about it when I was driving over here. Like I, I'm not, I have a pretty thick skin. I think, and I'm not initially offended. Like if they just say something mean, like I can laugh at it too. It actually doesn't hurt me at all. But then there's, I think I have insecurities about certain things that I've always had over the years that I've maybe never addressed. And if somebody taps into that and says, oh, you, I don't even know what it is, over-articulate certain words, I think that was one of the comments. And I was like, dang it, they're right. I don't know why I do that. When I'm talking in regular conversation, I don't do it. But for some reason, when the microphone's in front of me, I feel a need to make sure that they're understanding what I'm saying. I should stop doing that. I know I should stop doing that. And that person said it. Now my feelings are hurt. See, but that's, to me, that's a real bonus of it, uh, is you can actually get better, right? I mean, the critique that, the critique that hurts the most, of course, is the stuff that's true, but then you, you can change it if it's, you know, if it's really, which through my, I think, career writing, you know, it's the stuff that people said, oh, you're, you know, trying to, you're sounding like Hunter Thompson or whatever, right? When I was, when I was early on writing, I probably really was. And then I would think, oh, damn it. And so, you know, then I, yeah, like you kind of, you know, I grew and found my own voice, but without that critique, those critiques early on, I don't know, you know, maybe I'd still just be parroting, you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so Kelly endearing that he's just like you and I are sure. that his feelings get yep. hurt. Yeah, I totally agree. A um, couple of other quick follow-ups from J-Bay that I actually didn't get to earlier. Tell me about your thoughts on the commentary team. Like you wrote a little story about Joe Turpel's lack of passion or whatever. What are your thoughts? I mean, uh, uh, I would like to see, for, I think that I think the commentary team that they have is great for a super vanilla mainline, you know, one tone. But that's what it is. Is this, it's this one version, one tone. Like Potts is no different than Terpel, really. I mean, right. in terms of what they're going to say, uh, Blakey is a total. You know, I mean, and Pot and uh, Terpel too. They're all serviceable. They can all say say words and of what's happening in front of them, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I would just love a different. 
a different, you know, like for NFL or NBA or stuff, there's the color guy and there's the straight man. And I feel that it's just a bunch of straight men, right? Where Strider and these guys are supposed to be color. And Strider provides some color, I think. And Pete Mel provides some color. Uh, but those guys are more like sideline reporters to me. There's just, there's nobody. Potts is not the color guy, right? He's boring as fuck to listen to. What and to him, I don't know. It makes me so sad that he was this raging animal who turned into Grumpy Dad. Uh, Balding. With, yeah. Grumpy dad. And he just sits there and like, where he's, everything he says is dull. Uh, so Terpel, I think Terpel and Blake, you're fine. Um, they're just the disservices. There's no color. And I would love, you know, that WSL has a new, a new CEO now, et cetera, et cetera. And I would love as they're hopefully reevaluating that they'd be willing to take more risks. I think, did we talk about David Silver last time No. here? And the NBA commissioner to me is amazing. I met him, the pleasure of meeting him once. And you could look in his eyes and see, he's just not afraid about stuff. He's not afraid of the future. He's not afraid of other people, you know, his whole thing was where the NFL would clamp down, which is, you know, what the WSL did initially. NFL would clamp down on any unauthorized posting, YouTube, you know, social media, anything of any NFL game rigidly. And I think they still rigidly control their brand. David Sil- Silver, NBA commissioner, came in and said, this is our future. Our future is people sharing this stuff. Zero or I think very little control over anybody can, you know, post stuff on YouTube, NBA stuff posted on their Facebook, post it everywhere. Uh, he's also pushing for the legalization of, of sports gambling in the United States. So it's really? this real progressive kind of thing where I would love for the, but part of that, but part of what I think he sees is our fans, fans of the NBA need more ways in, right? And so people can be critical of, the product and that's not a bad thing for the product right right which i would love for uh the wsl to get somebody besides blakey or terpel in the in the booth who can actually criticize the judges who can you know call shit talk the surfers they need just a a more robust color team because that's what we all enjoy doing right we enjoy watching the heats and watching the events and both saying what stuff is good like oh man you know toledo's double loops how do you beat that but then also saying can you believe you know that crappy turn or the hitch in you know whoever's get up or the you know midwave claims that are funny or and they just the the wsl refusing in the commentary booth to make it interesting or refusing to even allow it to be interesting is, is a major disservice. And again, I don't think it's I've gone on way too long. I don't think it's Terpel and Blakey's fault, particularly. I think it's Potts's fault, uh, but it's not really his fault. He just doesn't belong there. They have the wrong color guy. And who's the, who's Blakey's color man now? I can't even remember. Pete. Yeah. I like Pete. Pete's okay. But again, I think Pete and Strider should be the sideline reporters yeah. and you should get somebody in the booth next to those two guys, Terpel and Blakey, who actually, you know, will be willing to, have fun shit talking and et cetera, et cetera. Dave Wassel. Dave Wassel. He's fantastic. Yeah. In the Vulcan events. Sure. Totally. Um, I agree with you. And so it's clear that the WSL's intention from the get go is like, we need to legitimize this and appeal to the broadest possible market. And so we're going to make it vanilla. But I think now that they've kind of done that and established that foundation, they need to adjust in that way for sure. And I wonder if you're right, the new CEO, Sophie Goldschmidt will, mm-hmm implement that. It doesn't seem like that's her background at all. She's worked with female professional sports teams and also done a lot of licensing deals, international markets and developed that whole side. So I think that's what she's going to be doing. But I agree with you completely. If you and I 
are having a more accurate, elevated conversation about what's going on and your commenters are on beach grit and my commenters are on Instagram, then that's a shame. You're supposed to have the authorities doing it and we're doing a better job of it than you guys. Well, I mean, that's, I, I genuinely, genuinely believe that beach grit covers the WSL better than the w, WSL covers themselves. I think, you know, we cover it from more angles. We cover stories that they won't, uh, and not just negative stuff, right? Like everything from Wilco's hair, which would be a super funny segment. I think yeah. that, that damn picture is up every single time he serves and nobody's looking at that picture and saying, oh, that's totally, <laughs> that guy looks yeah. normal. Everybody's giggling, right? Yeah. Everybody around the world is giggling when they see Wilco's, I mean, except for 40 year old moms probably think, oh, look at that. One of us. Take this photo what? to the stylist. What? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. The Wilco. <laughs> the Wilco. Yeah. The day. So I'm going to, I'm going to petition. You, they should let me and Derek Riley in the booth is what what they should. The day the really WSL yeah. has me and Derek sidle up to Joe Turpel for a heat is, I think, a good day in the WSL history. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I was going to ask you, who should those guys be? I mentioned Dave Wassel, but I agree. You guys would be perfect. I me. mean, I, I, think, I think, frankly, they should be surf journalists, right? It should be Steve Shear. It should be me and Derek. It should be Sean Doherty. Who's it, been great in the booth. He's yeah, been in the booth in the past. Totally. I mean, they, they should... I don't think it should be professional surfers because professional surfers you know, are fine, again, to provide some of the color. But I think you need people who... For for better or worse, stare at these damn things all day, every day, and think weird things about them. Yeah. That that's who you need to to kind of spike it. Yeah, I totally agree. I so firstly, uh, Joe Trapel. It's I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, and like they all have pros and cons, but a couple things need to be discussed. Joe Trapel has a shocking lack of passion for a guy who loves surfing. He does not express it at all through facial expression or vocal expression. It's like he wa he'll watch the craziest barrel at Chopu. Some guy get blown out and he's just like, wow, that was a cool barrel ride by yeah. so-and-so high in the pocket, you know what? And you, in your article, you wrote about him witnessing two different shark Three attacks. Now. Three. Oh, okay, right. I mean, I mean, the, he he called. He was in the booth calling three shark things, right? Yeah. I mean, the the amazing one with Fanning, and yeah. then two during this event, and he's yeah, like he he is nonplussed. He does not get rattled. His pulse doesn't even raise. No. Okay, so now Mick's getting on the sled. Yeah. Right. He, he which is which makes me wonder, like, what kind of what kind of hell has <laughs> Joe Turpel seen? That that gives him that ice water running through. I mean, was Joe Trapel a secret agent somewhere? Ah, good point. Was he? What was he? Let's dig in, dude. You're I, I the mean, journalist. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit I'm gonna hit Joe Trapel up and figure out what he was. The other story that really somebody needs to write. This is a beach grid thing for sure. Needs to write a very thorough analysis of the demise of Martin Potter. You touched on it just a little bit. Martin Potter was the godfather of 110% surfing, just animalistic surfing back in the day, redefined, you know, what surfing was. Now he literally regularly advocates for 70% surfing. He will say, John John should tone it down a bit and surf 70% to make it through this heat. And I'm thinking to myself, that may be true, actually. Based on the judging criteria, that is an accurate statement. But it's horrible for surfing in the direction that we want it to go. And it's anti-pots. It's the opposite of who you are, dude. It's it's heartbreaking. It's a real shame. Like, I mean, the break, the the breaking of pots 
I think is, is, is one of the great tragedies of the WSL. I, I truly think like, I mean, cause nobody looks, I don't think at a poster of Martin Potter with the, you know, the long stringy hair and the, the snarl anymore. Unwashed hair, I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, completely. I, I yeah. doubt that Potts ever washed his hair, but I, I don't think anybody looks at that picture now. I certainly don't. And just, and think that guy was an animal. I think, oh, did please just no more to put me out of my misery. I can't, I can't be bored to death anymore. Right. Yeah, he's so he became so boring. It's a shame. It, he just should he should have never been there, right? They gave him a job that he shouldn't have, and somebody should have realized that early on and said, "This is this, hey Potts, this not only does this not suit our viewers, uh, it doesn't suit your legacy." Yeah, and so let's you know push you off somewhere else. Yeah, I agree with you. And as a counterpoint, they do have other legendary dudes like Barton Lynch, sure, and Barton Sean does great. Thompson, mm-hmm. but those guys are awesome. They're awesome. And they're still true to form. Like they are the same guy that they were back in the day. Yeah. They haven't, they've aged gracefully. Yeah. Whereas Potter's like done. He's turned into a grandpa, dude. Which, He's gotten soft, which is totally fine. Like if Potter is fat and happy, then that's awesome for him. Yeah. But don't make me listen to the, to the fat, happy guy. One of my huge, big complaints. I was talking about Albie, speaking incorrectly last time it's genius i'll be there right that was my mistake i again i apologize albie uh my hugest complaint for martin potter is that he can constantly uses the word literally to mean figuratively <laughs> he he says the waves are literally on fire right now and i'm looking going uh no pots they're figuratively on fire. It's actually impossible for the water at J Bay to ignite. That's totally amazing. He says it all the time. Yeah. You should listen. I, I actually want to so devote good. a full weekend to just pulling YouTube clips and getting every literally pots, every literally pots and just creating like a 10 minute ongoing video. That's really good. Literally pot, literally comma pots is really a good title for something. It's so literally annoying, pots. dude. He does okay, it all gonna, the time. I can't wait. How long, how long until, uh, Tahiti. August 11th. Okay. So not that long. We're good. Two weeks. Okay. Good. I can't wait to get back to the literally pots. Yeah. It's good to have Rosie back by the way. Yeah. Rosie, especially Rosie in South Africa. It's homeland. Fits nice. It really does. Is Kaipo Akia? Kaipo Guerrero, Guerrero gone for good? I don't know. Okay. I, uh, seems like it, right? I mean, if Rosie's back, if I Rosie, so I, I think Rosie was only gone because she was having visa issues, right? If I'm correct, and so she sorted her visa issues out. But maybe she could go back home to South Africa and not, not mess up her visa thing. Yeah. So maybe Kaipo's back. I'd like to have Kaipo back. I for like sure. Kaipo. I mean, Kaipo's Kaipo again is a funny personality that they should throw in the mix every once yeah. in a while. I think for sure. I notice um, from the get-go this season a real underlying tension between Ronnie Blakey and Pete Mel. Mm. Have you picked up on any no. of that? I feel like, well, first of all, in the first couple of events, it was like straight out Ronnie was like making fun of Pete and almost poking fun at him. Ooh. And I feel like Ronnie is a is a professional and he's pretty articulate and he'll set up lines of thought and logic. And then Pete starts screaming because Felipe did an alley-oop and Ronnie feels like it's a little bit of an affront to like the direction that he was going with his logic. And Pete's just like, Pete's not really picking up what he's putting down. And so I think Ronnie started to push back a little bit about that. I'm totally going to watch for this too. This seems nice. Yeah. The, The odd couple, Ronnie and Pete. Yeah. That's nice. And then, so I talked about it on the show after um, the first, the snapper event and a number of listeners Instagrammed and they're like, dude, I totally picked up on that as well. And then the next week 
Ronnie posted video of Pete Mel surfing and was like, this is my good buddy Pete shredding because he had just dropped an edit, you know? And that to me was a sign of apology. It was yeah. like, oh man, Ronnie's feeling bad about the way he behaved in the booth. So he's giving Pete a little olive branch. But now I've noticed it pop up again, actually. I wonder, so. I mean, because in truth, Pete's not really a color guy. I don't, I mean, Pete, Pete could call the action, you know, probably just as good as Ronnie or, yeah. or Terpel. Like, and I wonder if, I wonder if Ronnie got so, yeah, if, if he has his feelings hurt and still feels heartbroken by the departure of, uh, Ross. Of Ross. Yeah. If Ross was his, Ross was his number one. Ross was his goose. They were and peanut there, butter and jelly. Yeah. Man. And there goes Ross yeah. just following John around the world. Good job for Ross. Yeah. Um, all right, so in closing for this episode, I need your guidance, Chaz. Yes. This is uh, existential quandaries of a wayward 35-year-old male. Okay. Okay? Ready. Hair care advice, fashion tips, shoe tips, cool. all that sort of stuff. Um, I'm at a point, 35 years old, right? I'm at a point in my life where I've had some success, business successes, business failures, relationship successes, relationship failures. How old are you? you know? 41. So you got six 40. years on yeah. me. You know, you're leading the way. I want, I'm going to, going into this next phase, I want to work less. I want to surf more. I want my time to be used more effectively and efficiently. So I'm going to rely on you. I want this to be an ongoing Perfect. segment where I rely on you to help guide my life's path. Great. Okay. I'm it's here. A lot of responsibility. I'm here for you. All right. So I've got a couple of questions, four questions specifically. Number one, front traction pads, yes or no? You know, I say no. Like, uh, I haven't tried, to be honest, one of the new ones, like one of the new Octopus ones or who, who else is, everybody's releasing them now, right? You guys were working with, was the company called Necro? Necro. I think Derek, Derek is like a part owner of Necro <laughs> or something. I think so. Yeah. Do they do one? I don't know. Yeah. They, they might make do traction one. though. Yeah. Uh, so to be honest... I haven't tried the new stuff, the new rendition, but the old rendition, all I remember is my st stomach and chest just getting so shredded. Okay. Um, and in, if you can't surf a board in the warm water, like, yeah, I don't know. I'm no, because I, if you have a, a dedicated cold water board, I guess, then maybe it's fine, but I don't even know how it'd feel on a wetsuit. Like I like the way wax, you know, even feels under a wetsuit, like where you, you have a little bit of give and slide and I just, I have no idea, but I just remember getting shredded as a kid. So I say no. Funny that you took a very practical approach to that. I thought it was going to be strictly a fashion statement for you. It's either it looks good or it doesn't look good. I mean, it's really true. I did accidentally take a serious cool, approach. I don't, I don't know what happened. Know. I don't know what happened. I don't mind the way it looks. I saw a kid at the beach the other day with one. It also seemed like you get really hot, right? You're at the beach, you're bored sitting in the sun, just like cooking it's got to just cook your board right it's black yeah well i've always felt like it's similar to the white wetsuit thing where when you see noah dean doing this eight foot boned out air it looks cool yeah and then now i want one but the reality is uh it's a real i want to also figure out a segment i think it's going to be called like duke no like shredder or kook like yeah. there's there's certain things that only like the best surfers in the world do and the worst surfers in the world and nobody in between. That's really a good point. And so one thing is a GoPro front, on your surfboard. Yeah. You know what I mean? Only the best guys do it and the worst guys do it. That's so true. And so the front traction pad, it's like I've either seen Noah Dean doing it and it looks really cool or I've seen a guy who bought a board on Craigslist and he actually, it's a 
rear pad with a tail kick on it, but he just put it like halfway on the board, oh. not knowing. Ooh. You know what I mean? Ooh. Yeah, totally. Like, it's not actually a front traction. Yeah. He just did it wrong. Yeah. So those are the only two versions I've seen, and I'm afraid that I'm not going to do the radical air. So therefore, I will be that loser guy. So I'm just not going to go front traction. That's. Uh, I mean, that's pretty true. I think that if you're not, I think that's a good. I think you solve your own quandary there. If you're not doing big airs, then you can't have front traction because. Like, but will it let me do? It? I'm thinking maybe it'll. Oh, let if me you do a big air, if you're there, if you're at the, if you're at that crossroads, then totally jump over and see, see if the front traction. You yeah. should put front traction on the board and see if you okay. how high, how much higher you boost. Well, it's like when you're a kid and you see the like Reebok pumps and you're like, sure. I can jump three feet higher sure. if I wear those Reeboks. Totally, oh, man. Oh, I just bought a pair of the Nike Air Pressures. Remember those? The Nike oh. pump where it was actually a pump in the back. I'll, no. I'll wear them next time. Okay, yeah. that'll be the Instagram yeah. next time. <laughs> um, all right, topic number two, marriage, yes or no? Oh, 100% yes. Really? Uh, always. Marry, marry, off, marry early, marry often. Often? I mean, if, it, if, if needs be, yeah. To me, and this is pointed like you're 35. Yeah. That's too old to be a boyfriend. So your next girlfriend, you should force her to marry you. Or, I mean, if there's any kind of even remote spark, just get married. Because being a 36-year-old divorcee, is a way better look than being an ex-boyfriend. Oh, I'm already a divorcee. Oh, see, perfect. So So get, see, so yeah, I mean, you've got that, but, but moving forward, being a two time, being divorced twice or three times is a better look than just having a bunch of ex-girlfriends. So at this point in your life, I think once you cross over the 35, if you like a girl at all and you guys are semi kind of compatible, just get married. Hmm. Yeah. So I was looking at it all wrong. Yeah, I think. I think people, when you... It's like getting tattoos, I think. When you really agonize over a tattoo you're going to get and you really plan the perfect tattoo and then you go get it, you're going to hate it pretty soon. Every tattoo I have, except for maybe one or two, are totally poorly thought. Like I've gone in and told the tattoo guy, what are you feeling like today? Just do whatever. Uh, And I never get bored of them, right? I mean, it just... Yeah, and, right. and this is the life advice I need. Yeah, so I'm see, come so back married with a tattoo. Totally, do totally. Don't, just don't put so much pressure. I think when you, people right. put so much pressure on marriage, that's when it goes downhill. But really, I got married. I knew my wife now for. I told her the first night I met her, I was marrying her, and we were married within two months. No way. Of first meeting. Yeah. How long goes that? Six years. How many kids you got? One. Okay. She's got one. So yeah. yeah. Well, so I've been looking at it all wrong. Yeah. Uh, I was looking at it from the standpoint of like, geez, what's the benefit? Life as a single dude, 35 in like Southern California in the surf world, like is pretty amazing actually. Sure. And um, what is the upside of marriage? marriage? And like, I loved marriage and like, I like actually partnership and like doing the hard yards and all that sort of stuff. But this is kind of awesome too. I don't know. I, I mean, okay. I just, I, I think that the 35 the year old playboy, look at George Clooney, right? I think that George Clooney looked good when he was a playboy, you know, and this is just my opinion, probably he, he looked like he was having fun up until a certain age, but then you get to be a certain age and the, you know, debonair playboy, unless you're kind of, unless you're Italian, I think just looks like, okay, uh, this guy, this guy is holding on to, to his youth in, a, in an unfortunate way. It's time you just, you, Take your medicine, get married. All right. Well, there's another element of it that I've always thought about, which is like, does it help or hinder a world title? Like I look at Felipe Toledo on the rise, surfing incredibly, but now he just had a kid. Or Julian Wilson's a better example of like, this guy had all the world title hope in the world. Jordy Smith. Now they got married. 
will they be able to execute or does it defer their attention and their focus? I don't think it would defer. You know, in this way, I think it's totally irrelevant. I think that when you look at at the Geordies and Julians of the world, uh, why both of them have not won a title yet? You know, I mean, I guess it's they ran into a couple different buzzsaws, the the Adriano buzzsaw. But, uh, yeah, they have something fundamentally wrong. Julian should have won by now, right? Like, he's a chichoke somehow, which is unfortunate because he surfs so, so well. That's the problem. He's he's too good-looking. He got too much too soon. He surfs too perfectly. It's like... He he doesn't have the the drive and the struggle that Adriano has. Yeah, and and I want Philippe to win this year now. Philippe's my one that I want to win. I'm going Jordy. Uh, you you actually want Jordy to win? Yes. Um, okay, but but Julian is the one that I really want to win someday, right? I mean, Julian's like the last guy, the guy on tour. I think that yeah, I, I actually genuinely pull for. He will go down as the greatest surfer to have never won a world title. You think even if he doesn't? You think even more so than Taj? Yes. Yeah, he surfs better than Taj. Taj is radical and like was a perennial fifth place finisher. Like he deserved to be fifth, whereas Julian is. I mean, he deserves to be number one. Julian yeah. surfs so good. Yeah, he surfs really good. All right, topic number three: soft tops. Yes or no? I saw you riding a pink one. See, once you get married and have a kid, then you'll know. Yay, for sure. I mean, so that's why I got that one, right? It's which I totally appreciate. Also, on the small Cardiff day to paddle it out, it's okay. real fun. But even more fun is I toss the baby daughter on the nose and paddle out and catch waves like that, and then that's like soft top heaven. But there's a to me. So the great question is wave storm or catch surf, right? Ooh. Wave storm you can get at Costco, and I think they cost a buck ninety nine. Uh, catch surf's a good for the, I think I got the log, which is maybe seven feet and it was a good three fifty, I think. Mm. Um, and you know, I went and bought it full price cause I wanted to get a support my local surf shop, but also give it a full review. And I will say that the extra money, how, whatever catch surf does to their foamies makes them way funner than a wave storm. I think. Don't. I'm wondering, do they have like bottom contour and actual design elements in the board? I have, they must because okay. it's, it surfs, you know, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't ride round nose seven foot regular <laughs> boards, but this board, it's actually really genuinely fun. Like it'll put a smile on your face. Yeah. So go get your catch surf, catch surf. If you want to sponsor me, I'm on the market. My board sponsor just dropped me. Okay. Well, dude, I'm, I'm the one who needs one. <laughs> you don't need one. It's our charity. Um, Give one to Dave. I don't have beach grip money, yeah, dude. I can't I like, go it's buy true. $350. It's true. Uh, so Wavestorm is the number one selling surfboard on the planet. Yeah. By the way. How crazy of is course, that? Of course. Of course. I mean, you see them everywhere, right? The funny thing is now you see them. I've seen people ripping on Wavestorms, like guys out the lineup who... Yeah, that's true. who are like surf really, really good and are just on a wave storm. Well, you see them in the lineup on that and you discount them immediately sure. and then they actually shred. Yeah. Like, oh, I, you can't discount the wave storm anymore. That's the crazy thing. Yeah. Like I think the next step, I, this probably already exists, but there's gotta be companies that are making like actually high performance design characteristics they, in soft. I, I think INT does yeah, it I that so, yeah. I, cause I think they actually shape theirs. They're yeah. not, they're not pressed or something in which I don't know how you shape form, but somehow it's a shaped board. That's yeah. a, that's a foamy. They might be pressed, but they just have more molds. You yeah. Know? And Josh Kerr was writing that semi. It wasn't actually a finless INT soft top at J Bay. It had little side keels. Yep. 
so he was able to get some grab on it, but he was shredding on that thing. I mean, the, yeah, those those boards. I uh, have one of those too. Uh, okay. but that's older, but yeah, it's it's like a proper surfboard almost. You've got a full soft top quiver. Dude. Shh, I'm I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go for so, the soft top classic. Obviously, soft top is yes. So I'm gonna get a front traction pad, get married, get a soft top, and then question number four. Instagram feels like a waste of my time. I guess the answer is you need it for business. You have a reports from hell Instagram, which is pretty much just advertising for beach grit. And so the question is Instagram personal account. Yes or no? Uh, I say no. Uh, if you're a 35 year old man, then especially then no. I mean, if you're pushing, like you have a surf splendor one, right? Yeah. Which is essential. But if you're taking pictures of, you know, your food and your unwashed hair and your, you know, whatever else you can be taking a picture of, I guess if you have a private account, it's just for your family and it's a way to connect yeah. with your family. That's okay. But if there's anybody publicly who's looking at it, then it's a, it's a real cry and shame. I think it feels masturbatory to me. Yeah, completely. And I've been like really apprehensive over the course of years to like post. I'm not a selfie guy, whatever. But then I talk to people around me and they're like, dude, you're developing somewhat of a public persona. Like people are interested. And I, as much as I'm into surfing i'm really into wine and other things they're like dude your wine friends want to know about your surf world your surf friends want to know about your wine world like you need to post that stuff you get to do cool stuff all the time hang out with cool people drink cool wines post it and then so i do it to honor what they're saying because i think they're right but it still feels very unnatural yeah yeah it's not it's i mean i'll disagree with your friends okay. i think i think the day that you can turn uh the wine into a business maybe or something then yeah. you you start your you know right. your wine instagram like I think as a business tool, Instagram's amazing. Uh, but as a as a for thirty five year old men, quite frankly, to be doing any social media, or I mean, I think getting news from social media, consuming social media is is fine. I think personally, yeah. but to be participating in social mm. media, but then look at Kelly. But again, Kelly's a business. So, it is a business. Yeah. It. So. It doesn't, again, it doesn't mesh well with just my personality type. I feel like I'm fighting against my personality to engage in it. And the other thing is, it's just a huge time suck. Yeah, it's a waste of time. Waking up in the morning, scrolling that for 10 minutes, and then multiple times throughout the course of the day. And it actually just creates anxiety for me. Oh. I see all the things I'm missing out on. Like, oh, the waves were good here today instead of there. And what? And I just, it's oh. not good for me. But see, I guess you and I, though, are, are real dinosaurs in that in that way. But I guess not really, because kids aren't even using Instagram anymore. Right? It's all Snapchat and True. whatever else they're on. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So I will, yes, front traction, yes, marriage, yes, soft top, no Instagram. So good. We got a no in there. Dude. Perfect. This has been so informative for me. Thank I'm so you. grateful for your friendship. Well, thank you. Me yeah. too. We're not going to fight like Scott Bass and you. We will eventually. Don't worry. It's coming. <laughs> um, well, I was going to say, how do people get a hold of you? Beachgrit.com. What's? Beachgrit.com. Okay. Yeah. Beachgrit.com. And, and Insta. Insta reports from hell or beach underscore grit. Right. Uh, and yeah, be some good stories up on beach grit. There's an, a brilliant one from long Tom, Steve Shear right now, the final day wrap. And there'll be a couple more later today. Cool. And then, uh, thanks again to surf, uh, surf rider foundation, surfrider.org, become a member, contribute all that sort of stuff. Chaz and I'll see each other again in two weeks until next time. Barrel. Stay thirsty. Thanks again to Surfrider Foundation for providing us our home studio. 
Thanks to Chaz for taking time out of your busy schedule of publishing to uh, participate in this little project. I know everybody appreciates it. And, of course, follow Chaz at Reports From Hell on Instagram and then BeachGrit.com. And, of course, you can follow us at Surf Splendor. Make sure to share the show with friends. That's how this show grows. That's what entices Chaz to continue doing this. So we appreciate you sharing the show. And then if you'd like to contribute to the show financially, you can make a donation at SurfSplendorPodcast.com where you can leave a one-time donation or subscribe monthly for 5 10 or 20 bucks. We appreciate every little bit. It goes a very long way. All right. Thanks again. I'll be back on Thursday with an episode of Shaping Surfing with Dane Hans from Vulcan Surf. Look forward to that. Until then, get back in the ocean, get a couple of waves, and shred on.